0: Is an Odyssey original.
1: This is Coronavirus Daily. I'm Charles Feldman,
2: and I'm Mike Simpson. We're in the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. Pandemic has a lot of people rethinking their lives, so much so lots of people quitting their jobs. Record numbers. It's shifted the labor market toward favoring workers. Doesn't happen often, so we'll take a look at it. A major airline canceling flights because it can't find enough workers. If the pandemic wasn't bad enough for the small businesses, a giant like Amazon shows no signs of slowing down. Let's
1: start by quitting our jobs. <laughs> or rather talking about <laughs> Goodbye, we're leaving. Yeah. Well, uh, Rubila Veruki is chief U.S. economist at High Frequency Economics. Rubila, The rate of people quitting their jobs wasn't expected, was it?
3: Uh, Thank you for having me. No, that wasn't expected at all. Uh, We have seen a real adjustment over the course of the year where people, especially in consumer facing businesses, and that's where we're seeing a lot of quits, uh, you know, that uh, that has been an adjustment. People are generally uh, wary of, uh, you know, uh, being back in those kinds of situations and those kinds of jobs. And really, you know, there are a number number of factors that are contributing to this. You know, there are a lot of supply and demand frictions that are going on from the economic reopening. Businesses are coming back very strongly. But, you know, the supply has yet to catch up. Um, You know, in terms of the quits, I do think that uh, a reassessment of where people are, I think that's going to go on for a little bit. Right now, because of the fact that there is a shortage People do have, you know, there has been a little bit of transference of power, but, you know, supply is going to come back and these frictions and these imbalances are going to sort themselves out. So I don't know that we'll go back to the employment uh, situation uh, that existed pre-pandemic. But I do think that near-term frictions uh, will be sorted once we get into the fall.
2: Yeah, but right now, if I'm a retail worker and I wasn't happy in the job or it's stressful or I don't like it, I can go and say, hey, I'm going to work for this bank or this insurance company or this government or something, um, because a, am going to feel like it's maybe more of a career path for me. And B, uh, maybe, you know, the, the retail job was not worth all of the uh, the pain and suffering I went through. And then maybe it's not worth getting sick over either.
3: Oh, I absolutely agree with you. And that is exactly what is happening But, you know, you also have to consider that not all retail workers can go and work at a bank, right? There is some skills mismatch. There is some level of retraining required. So it's not like, uh, you know, all retail workers, all workers who work in restaurants, that they are going and finding alternate jobs. It's just that this is a spooling up effect. There aren't that many people. The people who are there and they do have more choices. So, you know, that is part of what we're seeing. You're also seeing that on the wages side. Uh, But I do think that as supply catches up, that this phenomenon will diminish a little bit.
1: And, you know, when we said at the very outset that this wasn't expected, uh, I guess part of me wonders why it wasn't. I mean, this was this pandemic was such a cataclysmic event, not just for the U.S., but for the world. I kind of wonder why employers in particular didn't anticipate that there would be this huge upheaval and just, you know, things were not going to be the same anymore.
3: As you said, this was an unprecedented event. We had never seen anything like this. It was easy to, probably easier to shut down the economy than to reopen it, right? So we really did not have, we couldn't have anticipated, you know, even the best laid plans, right? I mean, we really couldn't have anticipated that we would be in a situation like this. Now, you know, there are a lot of reasons you know behind the labor shortage issue including you know health concern and concerns including childcare concerns and including unemployment benefits enhanced unemployment benefits all these factors are going to diminish so you know right now i think these frictions are maybe not representative of true labor market conditions so you know i i i would you know hesitate to say that This situation, this wages, you know, going up, this is going to last indefinitely. I do think we are going to see a readjustment.
2: Rabila Faruqi, Chief U.S. Economist, High Frequency Economics.
1: American Airlines suffered initially during the pandemic when it had to cancel thousands of flights as international travel stopped and domestic travel was severely limited. It took billions of dollars in PPP loans and kept workers on the payroll to get that money
2: now the airline canceling hundreds of flights because they don't have enough workers this after it offered the old workers buyouts and encouraged leaves of absence so what's going on with the shortage helene becker managing director senior research analyst covers the airline industry at the financial services firm cowan so helene what did american do with the loan money
4: no no it's not they don't have enough money as much as they don't have the staffing and it's not only that um So it's a combination of three things. First is pilots. Um, A lot of pilots were scheduled to retire in this decade. So at American Airlines, they had a base of about 15,550 pilots and about 9,000 of them were due to retire between 2021 and 2030. Um, When pilots reach the age of 65, it's mandatory that they retire, but most retire between the ages of 62 and three. And in 2020, one of the first things the airlines did, not just American, but Delta and United as well, was to encourage any pilot who was thinking of retiring between 2020 and 2023 to retire immediately. And so, that was one issue because you have to train pilots and get them through the process it takes about a year to train a pilot um, off a furlough and you have to hire pilots to begin with so that's one issue that they're experiencing not having enough pilots to fly the lines and then the second issue is um the airport operations think those people at the airport who push wheelchairs around the catering operation which they don't necessarily own those are subcontracted they um they're having a really hard time staffing because those people were initially sent home a year ago by the contractors And um, those folks are getting unemployment benefits and they earn more staying home than they do working. So they may want to come back to work, but not until the unemployment benefits run out. And as I understand it, that's the end of September for most people. So I think in October, you'll start to see the hiring situation get a little bit better. Um, But those are, I think, the three biggest issues. And then The other issue I would just mention is weather. So, you know, the winter months are easier because you know when that snowstorm is coming across the country and you know when it's going to shut things down and you can plan for it. But in the summer months, you have pop up thunderstorms and you don't know when they're popping up. And, you know, you could have an afternoon thunderstorm at two o'clock today at four o'clock tomorrow and, and so on. And you're canceling flights, and then you can't recover. Yeah. So, so, especially, so, I'm sorry, I was, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, <laughs> you,
2: you can't control the weather. So, so that one we can understand. But, I mean, back to the issue I think a lot of people have, and you can see it, you know, everyone who's posting about this says, we gave them all this money, and they said they weren't going to lay these people off. Uh, they were supposed to keep them. But if you're going ahead with your pre-planned reductions anyway, why did you get all this money?
4: Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that... Um, the issue is recovery. Um, I mean, I agree, right? They they took a lot of money from the government. American was the biggest beneficiary, and they were supposed to keep everybody on staff, and they did, as many as they could, obviously. They did encourage, as I mentioned, quite a lot of retirement. So that's one thing bad on American. Um, I think the other thing is that... Um, when you think about recovery you can't have, and and this speaks to the industry in general i mean american isn't the only airline with these issues they just got Called out for it over the weekend. But remember earlier this year during the Easter holiday, Delta had that issue, too. They canceled a lot of flights and they blamed it on their pilots getting vaccinated. And the FAA says if you've been vaccinated, you have to wait 48 hours if you're a pilot and you've been vaccinated, you have to wait 48 hours to fly. So Delta had that issue. Um, and I, I think that people have a right to be annoyed. but. Um, you know that said, the airlines have, in my opinion, anyway, have done a really good job of getting people getting vaccine to people. And, yeah, and but but
1: where, but everybody. to go back to the money issue, where did the money go?
4: Well, it went mostly. It went to keeping people on staff. It went to payroll support, and um, that's what they had to do, right? They had to pay their people. So, in, they would have laid off more people had they not had they not had that money. And, and also, um, remember, last year they encouraged, in addition to early retirement, they encouraged voluntary leave, leaves, and now they're asking people to come back to work. And I think, to your point, they left it late.
2: Helene Becker, Managing Director Senior Research Analyst, covers the airline industry at the services firm, financial services firm Cowan. Uh, go early to the airport. That's, that's the advice. That's the lesson? Yeah. Go okay. Real early. Do that like dad thing where you show up three hours early
1: coming up after a short break are struggling mom and pop shops i like saying that mom and pop pop shops the prime target of amazon today get it prime amazon that's funny Today is Amazon Prime Day, which means deals galore and everything you can think of, but those really cheap deals can hurt small shops.
2: Yeah, and they've already been struggling through the pandemic. So let's see how they're doing now. Bill Brunel, co founder of Independence We Stand, organization providing free marketing supports to thousands of small independent businesses. So, Bill, how do you market though against somebody like Amazon?
0: (laughs) The best thing you can do is uh, promote the fact that you're locally owned. Uh, If there's one thing that the pandemic uh, taught us, is the importance of small businesses. There's a growing body of research that shows when you support these small businesses, they return much more money to the local economy. And, you know, when you buy from Amazon, uh, most of that goes up to uh, Seattle and in uh, a big bank account for the billionaires. And uh, what you need to do is support that, uh, that corner coffee shop or that uh, your favorite record store and uh, um, much more money will return to your local economy.
1: Well, a coffee shop I get. I can see people going, well, I'm going to go to the corner coffee shop because it's kind of easy. But what about on big ticket items? Uh, It's hard to convince people who have gotten used to the uh, you know, the the you know it's just easy to order something from. I don't want to keep mentioning their name, but we all know who. Uh, I it, it's just easy to order Walmart. from them, yeah. Uh, then to go down to your local store, even if you want to support your community store, uh, it's just a big pain. So how do you convince people? And not everybody is civic minded. How do you convince people that economically it's better for all?
0: Well, you know, and don't forget on the big ticket items, a lot of times people want advice on the big ticket item. For example, I was in the market for a, a refrigerator a couple of months ago, and I wasn't sure which one to get, or if it was the fit and the space that I needed. So, uh, I actually went to a local appliance store. There are about fifteen thousand of them uh, nationwide. You wouldn't um, know it by all the big box stores that, that sell appliances, but I got some great advice. It was a little bit more than the uh, than the online price, but uh, they were terrific to deal with. I know that they they've been in the business for 50 years. The daughter of the original founder is now running the place and uh, she serves on my local school board. So uh, that convinced me to support. them.
2: Yeah. What if I don't think in that kind of a vein, what if I don't think I can get it from a local place? Because I don't necessarily think refrigerator from mom and pop shop. How do I figure out if I can buy local when I'm not just trying to buy like, you know, handcrafted soap from the, the you know dealer down the street or whatever at the craft fair?
0: Well, a great place to start is on our website at independentwestand.org. We built a locals-only search engine. And with the help of a partnership with Google that we came up with a few years ago, uh, you can find hundreds of thousands of locally-owned businesses. We also have an app um, for the uh, iPhone and the Android. So it's a great way to find and support locally-owned businesses.
1: I mean, do you find that a lot of smaller businesses are kind of, you know, down in the doldrums now? I'm talking about psychologically. Are they kind of depressed about what's happening?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it varies by category. Um, I will tell you that the Federal Reserve came up with a stu- came out with a study about uh, two or three weeks ago that showed about 130,000 businesses were closed because of COVID. Um, but it's, uh, again, it really varies by retail category. So, for example, um, a lot of the personal care small businesses, whether you're a salon uh, or a barbershop uh, or a tattoo parlor, they really hurt during the pandemic. You just couldn't do that face-to-face. Uh, personal service. But then if you owned a, a hardware store or a bike shop, um, you couldn't keep stuff uh, in, in uh, for sale. They, they were just swamped with people. So it really varies by category. Um, I think with things starting to open up again, there's a renewed optimism with small business owners. They're a pretty resilient bunch um, and they're ready to do business again, which is why we need to get out and support them even on Day.
2: That's Bill Brunel, co-founder of Independence We Stand.
0: So you go to McDonald's, you order mm,
1: something like uh, I'll have a Big Mac, uh, fries, uh, 20-piece nuggets. Some chicken nuggets, yeah. Yeah, a Coke. Uh, Oh, and and, uh, one COVID shot? Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. That doesn't sound like it belongs, but it does now. McDonald's has partnered with the California Department of Public Health to offer free COVID-19 vaccinations at more than 70 locations, and that starts today. The pop-up clinics will offer vaccines to McDonald's employees, their families, and the general public. Those who get a vaccine at McDonald's will receive a coupon for one free
2: menu item, appetizer. Let's go. Quit our jobs, go to McDonald's.
1: I'd almost be willing to have more vaccines.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, you can find this Odyssey original on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.